With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Pour one more beer for me. Exile needs quality. So savagely. Best beer in all the land. Brewed with a loving hand. From bottle, keg, or can. Exile Brewing. E-X-I-L-E. For me. E-X-I-L-E. Let's drink. Crack open a Ruthie today. Enjoy your HN Podcast, and this is a special edition podcast. And since it's, you know, Iowa, Iowa State Week, I thought I'd invite my uh, best friend of me on, Chris Williams from CycloneFanatic.com. And Chris, I got to tell you. It's um, not the HN Podcast. This is the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast. Get that right right now. It's the HN slash CF, CF slash HN Podcast brought to you by Exile Brewing Company. Does that satisfy you? Yeah. Are your lawyers good with that? No, I'm good with that. I'd prefer the Cyclone Fanatic to be first in the order, but that whatever, we'll we'll make okay. it work. Today. Yeah, and you you made time for me. I'm making time for you. I just came in, stopped my project. I'm making a platform for our goat, so they're going to be like a half hour delayed in getting you know to enjoy that. So, can you explain to me? You have goats. We have like goats. Pet goats. Yeah, two Nigerian dwarf goats. Um, I have one rooster, a uh, a bantam. I believe a Taiwanese bantam rooster who's freaking awesome. That's little Jerry Seinfeld. You know, you know him. <laughs> that's all. I, yeah, that's all I could think about when you said you, that you owned a rooster. Yeah, and then oh. I have like four hens, two cats. Uh, our dog died two weeks ago, but we're going to get a puppy in a oh. couple of weeks. So I mean, you know, it's life on the farm, bro. You live on a farm? I call it the farm. We got a couple uh, acres in the rural Oklahoma. You know, five minutes out of town. I got yeah, you. Kind of like how how old Waukee is now rural. You know. Yeah, no, I get it. When we moved to Bondurant, we had cornfields in our backyard. Right. And now it's just, there's just hundreds of homes yeah, everywhere. I, mean, I, don't, I get it. I don't have a house within like a thousand feet of me. Um, so, but we got a couple acres, about 150 trees out here and we got goats and chickens and it's, I, I love it. So it's How good. far are you from like Norman or Stillwater? Stillwater, hour and 15 minutes. Norman, hour and 50. So I should come over and see you if... Yeah, whenever. Yeah, next time you go to Stillwater, I mean, but you know, your fastest way. I mean, you're welcome to come here, but I know how I am when I'm on a road trip, dude. I want to get home and my kids. Um, but you know, we might be a pretty quick way for you, so we we can talk about that. I got I got a detached garage with a finished loft over it that would be good for you. I'm taking that as an invite. I'll be there. I'll be there next next fall, baby. And a pond. And a pond. All right. So are you – I want to just talk real quick. Yeah. Um, are you – I feel like you're pulling the whole reverse psychology thing on this weekend because Iowa State hadn't even kicked off on Saturday, and you're texting me that the clones are going to win. It's straight reverse psychology. I know well, you. I – in my preseason – I didn't, like, make preseason game-by-game predictions. And, and, by the way, in many years you may be right. Uh, even though the reverse psychology is only for you and Louie and the lasers. <laughs> so, um, but I felt Iowa had a 4 and 10 chance to win the game. That's how I did my predictions this year. I put percentages on it because, to me, picking games that far in advance, and this, you just look stupid. You sound stupid. You know, last, I understand. Yeah. yeah. So I, I'm, I gave Iowa State the edge, and I paid up to Jamie Pollard who's blocked me on Twitter, and I probably deserved it. Uh, I paid, what did you do to block him, I, I, to get him to block you? I was probably just being a smartass. I'm sure that's what it was. I mean, let's just call a spade a spade. I have been one of those in my time. What you call? What'd you say about me today? I was trolling before trolling was trolling? Correct. And every, yeah, and I said that every punk on Twitter owes you a debt of gratitude. <laughs> You, you, you started the game, man. Uh, you're like, you're like the godfather of trolling, in uh, in the Cyhawk rivalry. Uh, like we didn't even know what it was until you, until you. I, started I don't know. Doing Dace, Dace is up there pretty good. I mean, Dace well, made a whole radio career, and then I was on Dace. So maybe we are, maybe we are the, um, Bo and Luke Duke 
of yeah, the... Yeah, but, but, like, the Dace thing, Dace was classic because he he kind of started it with the whole replaying of the sound off after Iowa State won the 2005 game, yeah. I believe. Because that's when you, you guys were ranked, like, eighth, right? The 23-3 game where Tate got knocked out? Yeah, top ten. Somewhere in there. Okay. And then, but you, like... But Dace had kind of moved on to politics when the whole, like, social media thing really started to live. And right. you, you would just... Like, I could just imagine you sitting there, like, putting these tweets out and just giggling at the results. Like, because Bloom does that. Bloom will be, like, on a plane getting ready to, like, fly back from where he's at. And he's just like, oh, I'm going to rile up a bunch of Iowa fans right now. And I could see you just really living that up back 10, 10 12 years ago before anybody else was really doing that. You, you're suggesting that some of my commentaries may be contrived and not genuine. Is that what you're suggesting? When it comes to the Cyclones, absolutely. Yeah, no question, because you know how sensitive uh, and passionate of a fan base it is. And, right. and I absolutely think that you will hyperbolize to get a rise out of Iowa State fans. You've been doing that for a decade. Uh, you know what? I, I'm almost 50. Well, I got several more years, I guess three more years. But, you know, I, I'm getting to that point in life where – I just like to come clean about a lot of things. And I will say that once upon a time on the John Miller show, when I carried a bit on for one hour and then the top of the second segment in taking calls and having people convinced that I would never allow my daughter to ever marry a Cyclone fan and having (laughs) people furious with me calling in. I didn't mean that. Okay. I did not mean that. Uh, if she wants to marry a Cyclone fan, as long as he loves God, you know, he can cheer for uh, the Oakland Raiders for all I care. No big deal to me. Anybody but Wisconsin, e- right? E- yeah, even though you wouldn't cheer for the Raiders if you loved God, but that's a different story. Um, so, yes, that was a ruse. And you, you know this. Um, gosh, I don't really know how honest I want to get here. It's like you go out to watch Just them. come clean, John. Come on. Well, you've been a lifelong Iowa fan, and <laughs> no. and and now for business reasons, <laughs> unbelievable. I just went Hollywood Hogan on you there, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, you just did the NWO heel turn right there. You did the Hogan leg drop right on Sting at Bash at the Beach, nineteen ninety-seven. Oh no! I, no, I, I'm I'm I find my I have to be honest that I grew up an Iowa fan though because I don't want to live my life in a lie. Right. And I, I grew up I mean, probably up until honestly a couple of years ago I had still probably been to more games in Kinnick than I had Jack Trice just because of my childhood. Right. You know, for 18 years we went to pretty much every home game and then and then you know like it takes people a certain point to really get, form a relationship with with God in in some senses since you, you you took it there already and it took me a while to find the light. Now I did, and I'll never look back. Are you equating um, our Heavenly Father with uh, Cyclones? No, but I do think that there's something heavenly about Ames, Iowa. I do believe. <laughs> well, it's the, definitely it's definitely the water for sure. They've been blessed with that. <laughs> this um, damn good. But no, I just having gotten to know a lot of Cyclone fans. Obviously, living in West Des Moines for a number of years, like I did from two five to twenty thirteen. Um, getting to know a lot of people who were Cyclone fans, spending some media days and media events in Ames, and the Iowa State people always going out of their way even to make me feel like, you know, thanks for coming. Uh, whereas on the other side of the state in Iowa City, it's like, dude, you know, we're Iowa. Of course you're going to show up. And, yeah, I, I, I oftentimes, and you've seen me do this, I say, guys, it's best not to follow me on Twitter today. I don't, you know, don't take any of this personal. We just have to kick the tires and light the fires today. <laughs> and even, even, even when I warn you and some of your, you know, specific friends that I have in mind of this, it doesn't matter. One of them, BL, just takes it too personally, and it makes me feel bad. But I will admit to this, since you know we are burying our souls here in a yeah, totally just keeping it real. Un- unplanned way. Because really, I, I do like to believe there is a Wizard of Oz and not just a man behind the curtain. But I will say this. I have found Iowa State's marketing, innovation, uniqueness, creativity, 
that I've seen this week to be among the most exceptional ideas in all of sports marketing that I've ever seen. And, and let me recount some of them for you in case you missed them. You probably didn't since you're a big clone guy. But Iowa State, brand new marketing slogan. Fight for ISU. Going to be handing out T-shirts all year long at football games. That is a genius, brilliant, innovative, unique, creative idea, Jamie. Tip my cap to you. Next thing, um, beating you know, beat that team out east. Never seen anybody anybody use nomenclature like that other than Brian Ferentz before to talk about this. Excellent job. Well done. Good stuff. And really, the, the biggest one of all. To, to basically pull a Sisyphus um, mention, homage, and tie it into a football program with a slogan like Move the Rock is, I mean, that blew me away. I mean, I, I'm a marketing guy. You know, my, my, my day job now, I'm, I'm a commodities analyst in the energy industry, and marketing is my big thing. But to see such quality, unique ideas is what Iowa State saw. Oh, my gosh, how could I forget the coup de gras, really? Um, actually helping farmers. What a yeah. brilliant, brilliant slogan. So Iowa State, well done. You've really stepped your game up, and I only hope the folks over in Iowa City can come up with their own ideas and concepts that are as unique and cool as what Iowa State did this week. Here's what's interesting to me about the little diatribe that you just went on right there. Is like, because I had a guy tweeting at me yesterday morning i'm sure you were tagged on it as well because i had tagged you previously because you and your team of writers at hawkeye nation woke up the day after you know the first you know the, the first sunday before the the sunday before cyhawk and you guys decided that you wanted to obsess over iowa state a well, little you're, bit you're assuming i haven't and, muted you by now but go ahead I, i'm sorry you broke up you, you're, i'm you're, assuming you're, what you're assuming i haven't muted you by now but go but continue <laughs> John is the one recording this for those listening. Um, Muted you on what, Twitter. Muted what's, you on Twitter. What? Oh, okay. What's funny to me, what I can't quite understand, is that the fact that you you sit around and you know these Iowa State football slogans. I have no idea what slogans Iowa football has. It means absolutely nothing to me. I don't care. It means uh, I've, I've never once wondered, oh, I wonder what Kirk Ferentz is is, is using to, to fire up the boys or Brian Ferentz, who is who, don't forget, called into a Des Moines radio station in the middle of summer specifically to call out Iowa State recruiting tactics because he he's so it? obsessed. No, he absolutely, that was absolutely planned. Was it unprompted? Did he call in unprompted, or was like he, he a scheduled guest? They they scheduled him as oh, okay. a guest. Okay. And yeah. whoever the guy was who set it up, Ross told me this. Ross said this on the air, so I'm not letting any secrets out. They specifically told the host to ask Brian Ferentz about recruiting. Well, I mean, recruiting is like the most popular topic. Come so on. I think you've that you've done this Al, long enough. They never want to talk about recruiting. Al, probably it was Al, Al Setka from the uh, PR agency they use. They're just wanting to make sure the fans got what they wanted. So you asked Brian, I mean, you guys, did you like lead him down that path to get in to get all fired up? No, I wasn't on. That was the Des Moines Register's Hawk Central show. Oh, okay. I wasn't on. I might, I might have heard that. I might have heard that. And, I, and I'll say this. Um, no, it's true. I'm not making that No, up. I know. I listen to it. I, th I think it's great, frankly. One, so do I. Through the years, I have felt, and, and this may not be true because I'm not in the locker room, and I know Kirk wants to win every game, but I've always felt Iowa has brought a much more – a much more significant emotional edge to this game than Iowa. And it's pissed me off. I mean, I was there for the 23-3 game on the field, down by the dumbass gun they set off that scared the piss out of me. Yeah. I, I didn't even know that that was going off. Um, you know, I that was miserable. I, I'm like, you know, Iowa State comes out and it's the freaking, you know, Pittsburgh Cyclones. They're just they're just high, and, and Danny Mac got him up. And there was no bigger Cyclone hater than Dan McCarney when he was a member of Iowa's coaching staff. But it didn't matter. Um, I never, I just never felt that Iowa matched that emotional intensity. And I'm not saying it's going to change overnight with the addition of Brian Ferentz, but Brian Ferentz played in this rivalry. Kirk never played in it. Brian has. And Brian is 
Brian. He's not Kirk. He's Brian. And Brian's going to get away with a lot more than if somebody else, you know, if it was Brian Smith, the offensive coordinator. So I think that there's a chance that Iowa has a little more emotional pep in their step than usual. I still don't think it's going to be but- – uh, up to the, I don't think it's going to be up to the level that maybe is required for that environment, or, or maybe a stoic approach is best. I don't know, but I just would like to see a little a little more craziness on the Iowa sideline, like we have from the Iowa State sideline from their players in this game. But maybe I'm wrong. I absolutely uh, believe and buy in what you're saying about Brian Ferentz. He wants to win this game incredibly bad from everything that I understand and the people that I've talked to, and he should. That's a, like. The whole like Super Bowl thing is so dumb. Like, do do you buy into that, John? Have you ever bought into like what? Yes. Like, that's not even insulting. Like, okay, that's fine, but why don't you care more? Then why aren't your coaches getting your team up for a, an important game? If you win that game in 2002, you're probably playing for a national championship. Win the game. Win the games in front of you. Why? Why is it? Why is it con- like? Why is it? supposed to make a, the other team feel bad because they wanted to play hard. I right. I'd never understood how that's an insult. I think, it doesn't make any sense to me. I, th- I think that Kirk's view on this has always been there's 12 games. So if I turn it up to 11 for this one, what am I supposed to do that game in East Lansing in October? You know, Turn it up for that one, too. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, Frank, Just win, try. There's only 12 games. You know, you have 12 days in a season to go out and get up and be ready to play. It shouldn't be that hard to be fired up for every game. And yeah. rivalry should mean something. I mean, I'm on a freaking RV tour across the state. You guys don't do that for Wisconsin. You don't do that for Michigan State. Like, like it is a big deal. Treat it like one. I've never understood why. Uh, Iowa fan. I mean, I've already had like six of them this week. Oh, get ready for your Super Bowl. And it's just so stupid. Like, you guys care too. Obviously, you're taking the time to tweet at me. Like, why do you deny it? Right. Iowa has lost more, I don't know, 13, 14 games as double-digit favorites. Um at least in the Ferentz area, if not, you know, maybe the last, I don't know, 10 years. I don't know how many years it is. But you know what? It didn't work out good for you there with the stoic approach. And I'm not here to say how Kirk's doing his business isn't good. The guy's a Hall, uh, of, the, the guy's a hall of Famer. It's this this game I'm talking about. This game. I'm talking more about how fans, that's where I'm at right now. Well, listen, let, do, do you think this means more to Iowa State than Iowa? Uh, I think that it absolutely did back in the McCarney years, but I, I I think Iowa on Saturday will want to win the game just as badly as Iowa State. Why does Iowa State have a beat Iowa countdown clock in their weight room in the summertime or in the or in the springtime? I've seen well, think, I've seen photographic evidence of that this weekend from multiple people. Yes, I, I think that when you're down, which Iowa State has been down. I, the the models there Iowa State hence it means more to Iowa State than Iowa yeah but I think when when Iowa had lost five in a row to Dan McCarney I'm sure that the game that they valued the game more than they do when they had won 13 in a row agree it's an important where they're recruiting now Iowa State's not recruiting Texas and Florida like it used to they're in, in Iowa it's a they they're recruiting rivals now you they, guys you guys I mean, you guys recruit Iowa oh yeah really absolutely now. Are you serious? Or are you like just the, they, like the Eastern Iowa Hawkeye Conference? Dude, they they're recruiting. That last year, I don't know if you saw this. Iowa State did not sign one kid from the state of Texas last year. Well, that's probably a good idea because those kids change their mind a lot. <laughs> well, I mean, I, what, my theory on it has always been: I, I would get tired of passing up on a kid from. Yeah, you know, I agree. Point Valley, who really wants yeah. to be a cyclone, no, no for, take a flyer on a kid just because he's from Florida. I always thought that was stupid. No, I, I agree with you. All right, so but but my point of I I do think it means more to Iowa State, and I, that it actually irritates me. So the, I'm I'm going a different angle for you. I'm not saying oh it means more to you guys. Um, you know you're desperate. No, this is I just as soon see the game stop being played. Oh, you don't mean that. I kind of do. I kind of do. I kind of do. Um, I, I mean that. Do you just hate fun? Do you hate fun? I, I don't really enjoy it. I don't. It's 11, 11, year, 11 games out of the year, I enjoy. I You'd rather I Iowa play like to. than Iowa State? <sighs> being, being dead serious with you, I'd have to consider it more. 
I, I, because to me, and it, this was more so the case living in Iowa than, than living in Tulsa. I mean, I don't see any Iowa State fans down here. I don't see any Iowa fans down here. So I don't have somebody coming up into my grill when I'm eating dinner with my, my family <laughs> at Panera wearing their Iowa State gear, talking smack, which – I can't count how many times that happened. And oh, yeah. it's okay, dude. I mean, because if I'm going to be on the radio giving smack, of course, you know, the uh, the character that is John Miller, of course, is real life. So we got to run that. But anyway, we make our own bets sometimes, and, and I'll own it. So yeah. the, the pain, the, the, the downside, the risk-reward for me when I lived in Des Moines was not there. The, the 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 joy that I felt when Iowa beat Iowa State was nowhere near the pain in the you know what when Iowa State won. So for me, I just assumed they didn't play. Now maybe well, I, may, I may, maybe 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 now maybe now being away from Iowa, not living there, I, you're probably right. I still will be. I will have more more anxiety. Anxiety is not the right word because I'm not playing, but more kind of self-loathing during this game than I will any other game the whole year. I I can't say I deny any of that because it does feel worse to lose it than it does feel good to win it. My, my greater point would be the atmosphere around Trice, the atmosphere around Kinnick with oh, these sure. two teams in the state is so electric. It's, it's why we love college football. And with the conferences the way they are now, uh, we've lost so many regional rivalries. I just think, um, I think our reasons for not playing the game are not good enough to, to make up for, you know, like Nebraska and Oklahoma should be playing, right? Um, and there's a million of those. Texas and Texas A&M. It's ridiculous. And instead, we're replacing it. Oh, like West Virginia is coming to Norman today. Well, that doesn't mean anything, right? right? And I right. just think like. At some point, if we keep getting rid of these games, like it really hurts the sport. Across, not this game in particular, but if you get rid of five of these games, it's like, man, that's a really lag part in a season that, that people used to look forward to. Mm-hmm. I just, I'm looking at it more of a macro level. I think you're going more micro. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. I, I just, th- I think also too, maybe more from the quote unquote business standpoint. And Iowa is not going to be 12-0 and 0 every year. It's only happened one time ever. Um, it, it feels sometimes to me that Iowa as a program has more to lose than they, than they have to gain. Because if they beat Iowa State, the national punditry thinks, well, you should. When you lose to Iowa State, it's like, well, how can we take you seriously this year? You lost to Iowa State. Now, the best thing, maybe, is if Iowa State turns their program around and gets back to being, you know, six and six, seven and five, eight and four consistently. And if they do that, then the business part of it, that objection is overcome. And then I'm then I'm probably actually more for it than that. And I'm not trying to be condescending on that point. I know that's what what Matt Campbell wants to do, where he wants to get things. He has everybody believing that right now. And belief is really half the battle. And now it comes down to, you know, continuing to recruit, continuing to get those bodies in and and develop the type of system that you didn't want to develop, even though I kind of wish Iowa State would try to go to a power game and be different and be a departure from their league than trying to recruit athletes to run with Oklahoma State and Oklahoma. I think that's tough, but that's probably a topic for another day. Yeah, I actually think, John, that that's their vision too. I I think that they just simply aren't good enough up front right now to truly do that. I think that they're more coaching to their – to the amount of talent that they have right yeah. now compared to just trying to shove a system down these guys. That's that's why I think they're at. I think that they're wanting to be more Bill Snyder than Cliff Kingsbury. For I hope sure. so. I hope so. And, and that's when, when Kirk got to Iowa, you may remember, I think, what was he like four of 13 or four out of four and 17 early on? Um, something like that. It was it was pretty bad. And then they, they got that win against Michigan State at home. And then they finished three and nine. Was that that game? That was, Charles Rogers was like a Heisman contender, yeah, right? Yeah, because you were there probably wearing black and gold, right? I, yeah, that, John Butcher played for the Hawks, I believe. He was the quarterback. Is that correct? Uh, 2000 Michigan State game. He may have played. He transferred out going into the 01 year. Um, so he may have, yeah. Um, I can't remember if he was a starter, if that was Scott Mullen. But I think that Iowa took – Iowa took the beatings for a couple of years, and it was a risky, a risky strategy. 
They didn't bring in junior college players to just to kind of get a quick fix. I'm not saying that's what Iowa State's doing. And they, and they put their they put their strategy and philosophies in place. And they took a beating because they didn't have the horses to compete. But they felt that it was better for them to do that because in potentially year three, year four, that's when everybody would be ready to go and it would be easier to build. From that. And it worked for them. So if Iowa State's going to transition, um, and, you know, and they're recruiting to try and develop and things of that nature, it'll be fascinating to see them do it. So that I, I hope Iowa State. I really do. I hope Iowa State does it because for me, that's the best way to make me feel better about this game continuing to be played. Because then for both teams, a win means a lot more than just in the confines of the state of Iowa's borders. It means more to both programs, you know, from a national perspective. So I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, no, I, I actually don't. For once, I don't think you're being condescending. I actually <laughs> agree with most of the points you just The condescending – the, the first 15 minutes was the condescending portion of this show. Um, Correct. This, year, this year's game, I watched – I paid the money to Cyclones TV. By the way, that was a pretty slick broadcast. I know that, you know, over the years they've had some, some challenges with, you know, just the number of people that sign up for that to watch a game. And, and the Internet's not easy. I mean, there's a lot no. of things that can go wrong. I thought the production quality was fantastic. Brent Bloom did a fantastic job. That kid, he, I mean, he's going to be, you know, whenever John Walters decides he's done, he's got to be the next guy in line. He does a great job. Um, so I watched that. And what I expected to see, I saw out of Iowa State's offense. Actually, I was a little more impressed with the, the, the running back than I thought going in, but I didn't really watch the yeah, last. Good. Yeah, I didn't watch the last six games of the season last year. I listened to a lot. Believe it or not, I listened to Heft and Walters on, on radio a lot at night whenever you guys have night games and I'm watching other games. I just enjoy it. And um, I like, you know, just kind of, you know, their voices are a part of home to me as well. So I listened to more of those. Your, your receiver, I think your quarterback receiver overall combination of your passing game including what your running back can do in the passing game i i i would say that that might be the the most dangerous passing attack combination iowa may see all season long now maybe ohio state develops and penn state certainly is not easy but jacob park can throw the freaking ball you know, Iowa had Josh Allen in last week. That guy's a pro, but Iowa State's receivers are are ten times better than what Wyoming had in Kinnick Stadium on Saturday. You know, you got you got two pros there for sure. I, that is to me I think three if you count Hakeem Butler. I yeah, think he turns into one too. That's why I knew two for sure. You could add color to that. So, and I think you might have tweeted this, Chris. It's strength versus strength this week. Yeah. Iowa's weakness is their offense right now. Iowa State's weakness is their defense. Iowa State's strength is their is their offense and their passing game and Iowa State's or and Iowa's strength is their front seven. I mean it, it's gonna be a fascinating chess match. Yeah, I, I'm with you on Iowa State's weapons. We knew that that would be the case even coming into the season. Park showed just enough last year where a lot of guys, uh, smart football guys like Ben Bruns and Sage Rosenfels, John will say that he's going to be the best quarterback they've had since Seneca. And that's, you know, that's not saying a lot, but Brett Meyer was pretty good as well. He won a lot of games. It's 12 for, years, man. Yeah. So, but it, for me, it comes down to that offensive line. I think that. I think they'll be able to pass protect okay. Uh, even they did, they did that. John, Iowa State last year, I know you said you didn't watch the last six games. The most impressive thing that they did in year one of, of the Campbell era, and they were three and nine, so there weren't a lot of tangible things that you could point at as far as you know wins and losses and stats. But their offensive line at the beginning of last year compared to what it was in game 12, I mean, it was a night and day difference, and they had two walk-ons out there and – I think there was one guy who played the same position the whole season. I mean, they completely moved it around, but they got better and they didn't have much talent. They're a lot more talented this year, but the problem is that I see not a lot of guys other than Campos, and he, he obviously sat out last year with the knee injury, but they're all in different positions. And I think it's taking them a while to gel. It certainly looked that way the other night. Even the runs that the you, you mentioned David Montgomery, the running back had, they were all him. Yeah, uh, it, right. he didn't have a lot of help. And I, I'm concerned what I don't want to happen is, you know, I think I saw you tweet this too during the game or you texted me one of the two, but I don't want to see Iowa State get to the point where they can't run and, and Jacob Park has to throw it 45 times. I don't think that bodes well for 
for Iowa State if they yeah. if they have to get one dimensional like that. D- despite the what I think is the the mismatch with Iowa State's receivers versus Iowa's secondary, that that's not a good way to beat the University of Iowa. And that is my concern that that offensive line where last year, John, if, you know, I, I've said this a lot of times and I fully mean it. If they, if they have Jake Campos last year, I think they win two more games because they blew 17 point right. leads to Baylor and Oklahoma state. And a couple of times in those games, it was just, man, you need one more first down to win. And if it's third and one, their line wasn't good enough to get them any push in a run for a in an obvious run situation. They just they weren't strong enough to do it. And I worry about that Iowa front seven just being a mismatch for those guys and Iowa State having to get one dimensional. And, you know, once you become one dimensional, you're a heck of a lot easier to, to defend. So that's my big concern on that side. Yeah, I, you guys, I, I can't remember which possession it was, but it was like, was it fourth and goal? at the like one or it was something in goal at the one and you went out of shotgun um i don't know maybe maybe that wasn't you i I can't remember i watched so much football this weekend but yeah i i think that iowa's front seven is better than i thought it was going to be and it may be a lot better i'm not sure on that yet phil parker you know i know you talked about that on your your radio show last week because i or a couple weeks ago because i listened to it phil parker's comments about this maybe being the best front that he's had since he's been the defensive coordinator and that goes back to 2012 watching them and, and really kind of tearing apart you know last night i tweeted a lot of little video clips out and i only got through the first quarter those guys, the, the the team the team concept defense that Iowa plays of everybody just doing their job to clean things up, that could create some tough study in the running game. And, and right now, I would wager you, you know, you would pay me a six pack of Lacroix, and I would pay you a six pack of Bush Light. That <laughs> Iowa State, that Iowa State, <laughs> that Iowa State's going to throw the ball forty two or more times in this game. Man, I just I think if that happens, I would pick Iowa to win. Uh, but if you they know, have to throw it, it that much, I just you've got. Am I looking at this wrong? You've, well, like, I, I, you've got, but you've got. Situ- you will have alignments that you will get linebackers on receivers. Yeah, and you're yeah. and you're mentioning potentially three NFL receivers, and I go back to was it 2007 or 2006? I can't remember which one it was. The the shaggy game, the 15 to 13 game where it was late in the game. Iowa State had a fourth down, and Klinkenborg, Mike Klinkenborg, was lined up on your old quarterback who was a converted receiver. Philip Bates. Philip Bates. And you basically isolated him, and, and you threw a little fade, and he got the first down, and that set up the field goal. And, you know, I still have the recording of Larry bon- Larry from Bondurant calling in just irate on sound off that night. It's one of my favorite calls ever. Um, <laughs> when when he was saying, why didn't Iowa blitz more? And I said that they did blitz on that play. That's why Mike Klinkenborg was in coverage, because they had zero cover on the back end. And he said, well, they should have been more aggressive on the blitz. And that's when I hung up on him. But um, Yeah. I want to clarify, too, John. I don't think – I. Uh... I think they have two NFL receivers. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say three earlier. Well, they, I think they, they, they have a third one that's certainly probably better than what Jones, Wyoming had the other yeah. day. Yeah, no, they – I mean, they probably got five receivers that are better than Wyoming had. But, again, it's just like up front. Like, that just scares the hell out of me because, I don't know. I, Tom Manning's a really good offensive line coach, and Matt Campbell was an offensive line coach before he became a coordinator and then a head coach. They they value that position greatly, and, and, and it's a well-coached position. But that's one of those positions, too. It's like you can only teach so much, you know? Like, you right. can only – at some point it's just you've got to have the beef and they i think their d-line if you want to go to the other side i think iowa state's d-line is vastly underrated as far as what people perceive it to be and i think we saw a little bit of that on on saturday night the kid ray lima in the middle is a huge difference maker he um he was a juco came in 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 the spring so he had all spring and all summer and he was um i don't know i don't know what the ranking was but he was top five juco d tackle in the country and he's a he's legit Uh, he he really is he and and then they had that kid vernell trent who's a fifth year who hadn't done a lot but here's the deal like they finally have fourth and fifth year guys on the d line they're not getting kicked off or flunking out or stuff like that i mean for for four or five years during the roads era it's like they'd have these kids and they'd they'd have to 
to play them as freshmen and sophomores. And then by the time they're juniors and seniors and they're actually developed and they could be decent big 12 defensive linemen, they get kicked off the team for one reason or another. And they finally actually have some of these fourth and fifth year guys. And I, and, and I don't think any, none of them are Warren Sapp. Don't get me wrong, but they actually have some numbers. So, um, you know, on that side of the ball, I, I think that Iowa State's in a lot better shape than they were a year ago. Offensive line, they're in better shape, no question. But I'm still not convinced that it's it's like a total game changer. And I think the D line is like night and day compared to last year. What you guys saw up in Kinnick. Well, you, you're going with three four. Although I saw several alignments where you brought a fourth. I wouldn't yeah. call him a lineman down, but maybe it was kind of like a you know a monster backer with his hand on the ground. Um, and I having James Daniels back for Iowa this game. I mean, to me, he's in Iowa's system. The center is the second most important player on offense for them, easily. With quarterback obviously being number one for any team. But you know, Iowa started a center in their first game. That the last time he played center was in the Shrine Bowl, and. Wyoming did a marvelous job of disguising their defenses and showing blitz and dropping back. Almost, it kind of looked like you know zone drops a, a lot of the time. They'd show eight and they'd you know drop four back, and also pre-snap movement where they'd sit there in alignment and Nathan Stanley or Nate Stanley would get into his cadence and then they'd make an adjustment which had run the play clock down to where you know a, a young quarterback who's yeah. not necessarily comfortable with the audibles as it is I mean they Wyoming did a masterful job I expect Iowa State to do much the same I expect Iowa State to be incredibly aggressive and if they're not that's a question that the first question that would need to be asked in the post-game press conference but James Daniels there to count up blockers to call out the pass blocking schemes dude is one of the five best centers in all of college football i think he'll have an nfl decision to make after the season having him back will be huge for iowa and i just really think iowa's strategy is going to be to try to run the ball 45 plus times in this game in fact, 42 might be the magic number if iowa state throws for more than 42 yard 42 times they probably lose if iowa runs for less than 42 times they probably lose it may come down to a number as easy as that yeah, and and I'll note too that I I would guess that Iowa State blitz more on Saturday night than they did at all in in Campbell's first year. They were incredibly aggressive, and I mean, I, how what do you think, John? I was curious about this with Iowa because they're so limited right now in the passing game. Now I will say that fan. Fant scares me. I think he's really good, and I think he could be a real matchup problem if he gets isolated right. on an Iowa State linebacker. That's the one part that – because I think Iowa State's corners are – I mean, Peavy's probably a top-five corner in the Big, big 12. Um, and then the guys rotating. Over, I mean, DeAndre Payne's okay. I think that they can match up with your receivers. But my question is, it's just like, you know what Iowa's going to do. Right. So even if you stack eight, nine guys in the box, like, can you physically stop them? I don't know if Iowa State can do that. But my, my question is, like, at the end of the year, what percentage of run versus pass plays does Iowa have this year? At least 60-40. Um, yeah. keep, keep in mind, on Saturday, I think they only ran 57 plays. And they ran it 42, 43 times. I need to go into my save file here. Yeah, he had the stats. He was eight for 15 with Stanley. Yeah. So, so 15 minus uh, 57. Can you do that? Is it 40, 42? There you go. There's your magic there, number. There's my magic number. Actually, it was 41 rushing attempts um, and 15. So it was 56 total plays, apparently. Yeah, 56 total plays. So the, the your math is not wrong. So, yeah, so I, and Iowa routinely, you know, runs in the bottom, I'd say the bottom 10% of FBS of plays per game, which they do place a big emphasis on controlling time of possession. Uh, and, you know, and then that's going to be key. This I know Iowa State's tempo that you guys were trying to run the other night. It almost felt, and it was the first game of the year. I mean, Iowa and Iowa State's offenses, they looked similarly bad in the first half, both of them in their games, and they got better in the second. But Iowa State's tempo looked like a team playing their first game, trying to run at a really high tempo and just not on the same page yet. It's like they kind of got out of their over their ski tips a little bit, but it's the first game. So, yeah, yeah I, I think that you're probably going to see a 60 to 65 percent run tilt 
for Iowa this year. Those are the most frustrating games as an Iowa State fan when when you know like the Weissman game at Trice is the one that always comes to my head. It's just like you knew exactly what was coming. And there's literally nothing you could do to stop it because you just don't have the horses. It's just that death by a thousand paper cuts yeah, type of cliche. Yeah. And I just I've witnessed that so many times uh, as an Iowa State fan because their D lines are never up to snuff. And specifically when they play Iowa with that, you know, plays per game that you're talking about. And that's that's my biggest worry because, you know, Iowa State's set up to play a totally different different style of ball. They right now they're they're up tempo, and I worry about completely losing any sense of rhythm on the offense if you guys go out there and have one of your patented six seven minute drives. That's my big concern. Yeah, and I th- I would expect to see a lot of double tight formations and pure power formations for Iowa. Um, they did it a number of times this past week, and the thing with their tight ends that they can throw out there which is a great advantage the, the more the more plays and versatility you ha- have out of the same personnel grouping it's just such an advantage because you can come up and I'm not, Noah Fant is not a great inline blocker at this point in his career nor is TJ Hawkinson but Iowa can have Peter Picar out there and Fant out there and they can have two tights and they can show a one back power approach and then they got to leak Fant out and if you got a linebacker on him or one of your safeties that's advantage Iowa and you know Iowa is going to run play action I you know it's I saw a lot of Ken O'Keefe concepts uh, out there this past weekend in the passing game so yeah it that, that's why this is a great great chess match that we're going to see and you know Iowa fans get so ticked off about lack of execution that you know that that terminology in football because Kirk uses it a lot but it's 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 the truest truism there is in football if you execute you give yourself the best chance to win. I mean, Iowa's second drive against Wyoming, they had three consecutive three and outs. And their second drive, the first play, they dialed up a beautiful play-action play. Stanley hit Fant perfectly in bracketed coverage. It was a perfect throw. Would have been a 27-yard gain, first and 10 at the, at, at the Wyoming 20. But Fant, you know, got the ball knocked loose. You didn't execute, and two plays later, you punt. And really, that's... That's what football comes down to a lot is, you know, turnovers and execution. And it sounds, you know, duh, Captain Obvious. Well, it's Captain Obvious for a reason. And the fact that this game is played in Jack Trice, the fact that this is Nate Stanley's first ever start on the road as a QB in what I think is one of the most underrated environments that I've ever been to from a standpoint of a lot of people around the country don't realize the type of snake pit that it is there in September for sure. Because in November, yeah. my gosh, I mean, you got it's survival time with the weather a lot of times yes it's a hell of an environment and this game i mean i iowa doesn't go to the horseshoe this year they don't go to penn state they do go to eastland this this will be the most raucous road environment iowa will face this entire well madison's pretty good forgot about that but it's up there it's up there so that's why i favor iowa state in this game yeah i i've picked iowa state to win this game all summer long, mainly because of your questions on offense. And, and the, the one thing James Butler really made me question that a little bit when you guys added him, because I think that much more than what we saw from Iowa on Saturday, that just brings a lot more versatility to your offense. I think Stanley's better than people right now think he is. Like, I think he's the I guy agree. who can go out and make those throws. I think he's probably undervalued right now. I do worry from an Iowa standpoint. I just – I don't think – I mean, I'm not saying anything you guys don't know. I mean, Vandenberg's a proven receiver. But, again, I, I said this a few minutes ago. Like, Iowa State, really, there's not a lot of guys out there that you don't you, – you don't think you can't go one-on-one with. And – what what worried me when you guys got Butler is like, oh, what do you do with Wadley now, right? And that that opens up so many options, and and I think that that we'll see more of that on Saturday. You know, Brian Ferentz and his tendencies more than I do as a coach, but I, I think that there's probably a lot more of that in their back pocket that we'll see. Yeah. But uh, with the with the home field, I think that 
Iowa State's defense is up front is better than what most people think. I don't think it's great, but it's it's certainly adequate. I'm I'm going to stick with it and and continue to pick Iowa State to win. But again, when you guys got Butler, like that kind of changed things for me. I went from being pretty confident, as confident as I could possibly be, about a team that's won eight games in three years to yeah, I'm pretty close to fifty fifty now. Clearly, we're we're right there because Vegas. What's this thing at? Like a point and a half? I think, I think it opened yeah. three. You're the point gambler. That's now. what you tweeted out uh, on on Monday yeah, morning. Yeah, it's at a point and a half. So, and 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 it was at two in the summer. Vegas has they released those certain games, and they had it at two when this thing came out around Memorial Day. So, I mean, is there anything that you saw on Saturday from Iowa or Iowa State that would make you change that? Not for me. I mean, Iowa was exactly what I thought they would be. They were really good on defense. Their front seven was phenomenal. They've got major questions in the passing game, and you know that they're going to be able to outman a lot of people and run the football. I mean, that that's what we thought they were going to be. That's what they were on Saturday. And Iowa State – pretty much the same thing i mean other than the slow start once they got into a little bit of a rhythm offensively that was the offense we expected montgomery was able to run the football um park looked pretty good he wasn't great that wasn't the best game jacob parks played in that iowa state uniform but he looked pretty good and you've got all sorts of dangerous receivers but you have questions up front in the run blocking game so like there's I don't feel like we learned a lot about either one of those teams on Saturday, and I think it's a total toss-up when 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 these two teams meet at eleven o'clock Saturday. Yeah, I, getting Manny Ragumba back will be good as well. Um, I think Iowa's cornerbacks are really good, actually. Um, Miles Taylor at safety. Yeah, he he's a guy that likes to try to make the big hit, and he needs to wrap up more. Um, I was surprised Wyoming did not try to attack Iowa more vertically, and I don't. I mean, Iowa State, I think will. I think Iowa has Iowa's linebacker triumvirate. I would you'd be hard pressed to find three more experienced linebackers in the same team in the country, probably. I think, mm-hmm. I, may, I, think I may have heard you on your instant reaction say that they might be the three best in the country, but I think they are from what I've seen. I yeah. mean. I mean, I, I guess I haven't seen every team, and there's probably. I think I think that the, the experience factor is a huge thing, and I, what I found very hopeful and really encouraging is the Iowa's defense is ahead of schedule. When your linebackers are get 14 tackles, 13 tackles, and 11 tackles respectively, that means the front four is taking care of things in the run and getting enough pressure on the passer. And that's when, you know, Iowa's defenses have been at their best when they can do that. They rotated eight guys on the defensive line. This is as deep as Iowa. I'm not saying they're like Ohio State All-American deep, but they're deep for them to where in 2010, Adrian Claiborne's not having to play, you know, 57 snaps in the first half against Northwestern and a 90-snap game. And they were dead-ass tired the entire last month of that season because they didn't have depth. They have, this, this defense has depth. So I think those linebackers are going to be able to play. And it just comes to how Iowa State game plans to get their, their receivers mismatches on those linebackers. So And, and Nathan Stanley, yes, I, I, there were signs of encouragement, but I don't think that we're going to see the, the consistency from Iowa's passing game until October. So How do you compare? Where, where Stanley is now compared to wasn't Rudock basically a rookie when he came in and won a names that one year? Uh, I think he was. Bethard won there in 15. Because Be- Bethard and, had the and, long run. And, and then before that, it was Rudock. But Rudock was a starter in 14. And in 13, yeah, I guess Rudock would have been this. Was Rud- yeah, yeah. Rudock was a starter in 13. He was a freshman, I think, wasn't he? Um, or a, or a sophomore, so- maybe? sophomore who had zero snaps. So that's I compare them. I think they're similar. Like, where do you think Stanley is compared to where Rudock was that year? I, given given just the entire new slate of receivers and so many new bodies that Iowa has. I think that Rudock's year, they were probably a little more on the same page. Okay. But in 13, that was also one hell of a defense. And, yeah. and you're talking about James Morris, uh, Hitchens, uh, and Kirksey. So you're talking about three linebackers that are at the level maybe even better than what I – although I think that Josie Jewell is – 
he's elite in, in, in the pantheon of Iowa linebackers. So you got probably a similar makeup there. So, you know, what was that game? Iowa was ahead like 27 to yeah, 13. That was, you guys kind of got a late backdoor cover or something like that. Yeah, that was the game that I think Iowa State wore those Jack Trice throwbacks. Um, that was the game where the game finished, I think, 27 to 21, but yes. it was such a blowout. Like, it didn't seem like it was a one-possession game at all. I think you're right. That's exactly what it was. I'm trying to pull up the uh, the stats on ESPN. Uh, yeah, I think Quentin Bundridge had, like, two – like, he had a junk touchdown late in that game to make it look a lot closer than it actually was. Right. Uh, Rudock, five-yard touchdown pass to Gavante Martin-Manley for a 7-0 lead. Iowa was up 13-0. Um, yeah, so it wasn't – you know. It, what, what, it was obviously it wasn't all that memorable. It was kind of a ho hum game. So, but I think I think this could be a memorable game. I think these teams are um, maybe fairly even. You know, certainly the strength on strength aspect evenly matched. So it'll be interesting to see if you know Iowa State gets the big place or if Iowa's defense contains them. And then you know I expect Iowa State to sell out against Iowa uh, defensively and, and bring heat, run blitzes, pass blitzes from all over the place to. to confuse Nate Stanley it's exactly what I would do so I'm looking forward to seeing it for sure and, and you've got a whole week of living in an RV that that is awesome <laughs> yeah no it's fun I actually uh, I really look forward to this week it's now that Hawkeye Nation and Cyclone Fanatic have been teaming up with Channel 13 and KXNO for the last few years it, I, it it's kind of given me a whole different look at the rivalry i mean it's there's a lot more to it than the guys on twitter just going back and forth and being nasty to one another and i think it's been refreshing for me i've actually been able to see that the last few years it it gives me a different look at it so it's fun we uh the hawkeye nation rv looks good 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 job for you guys we we put we put together a little something this year it doesn't compete with that thing that schmelk has got going on for you all but um it'll be uh it'll be a fun week we'll um uh, I think a bunch of your guys are coming out here starting tomorrow in Slater. So even if you're a hawk, come say hi to me. I appreciate it. You know, it. They, they're, they're, there's no one that can dislike you and Ross. You're you Next to Keith Murphy, you are the two most likable people in radio. I listen to, I listen to your podcasts all the time, driving home from work, from the day job. And I, I'm oftentimes left thinking – should I have been more nice when I was on the radio? Because these guys are just nice. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And that means a lot. You know how much I look up to you. So I, I really do. That means a lot to me. You're welcome. And then I come back to it and I think, nah, I, I did what That's, I needed to do when I was there. It worked for there's, me. There's my John. <laughs> I, was, I was waiting for him to rear his ugly head again. Lucy came out <laughs> one more time. Hey, you know, Truly and sincerely, you guys do a fantastic job. I, I love it. You guys, you know, it, it's been so exciting to follow your career as a broadcaster, listening to you, listening to how you've changed and evolved. And, you know, like when you do this for a living, you hear things and, you you know, just things that you can't really explain to other people. You guys have great chemistry. Um, it's fun. You guys do a great job. And, uh, you know, be safe out there this week. Uh, please do not go brown in the HNRV. <laughs> I promised you I was going to go brown twice in it not once That's, twice you're you're filthy you're disgusting but have fun by thanks all bud i all appreciate right. it this this was a lot of fun we need to do this more we'll do this for basketball too all yeah, right I, th- I think so thanks for making time i know you got a busy schedule i'm gonna go back yeah. out and finish my carpentry project and uh you know whether you're listening to this on cf and hn believe it or not uh chris and i can tolerate each other for 52 <laughs> minutes but now it's back to sheepdog and coyote we'll see yeah. you down the line all right see you buddy